Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast on the Brink, Indiana 79, Purdue 74, the final on Saturday in Bloomington at Assembly Hall to help us recap the big win for Indiana and also look ahead to Tuesday's matchup against Rutgers, which will also be played in Bloomington. Tyler Tashman of the Indianapolis Star is back on Podcast on the Brink. How you doing on this Sunday afternoon, Tyler? I'm doing well, and, and I want the record to show that the first time we tried recording this, you said inside the hall's Tyler attachment, and I wanted to keep rolling with it, but you you said start over, but I have to throw that in there. That, um, but anyways, I did used to work for inside the hall, so it's, it's, it's fine. But anyways, I'm doing very well. I hope you're doing well, too. So, Indiana... Entering yesterday's game, I think it was a either an even line or Purdue a slight favorite uh, going into the game, but it, it kind of felt like uh, a game that Indiana would have to play nearly perfect uh, to win. I, I said that uh, in our community on Inside the Hall before the game that I felt like Indiana would have to be nearly flawless to win. I don't necessarily think they met that bar, but they were uh, helped tremendously by produce turnovers and a first half where they scored 50 points arguably their best offensive half of basketball of the entire season just how surprised were you Tyler that I guess a Indiana won the game and b how um they basically controlled the game throughout they led for over 39 minutes I think Purdue led for a total of 35 seconds in the game it was uh you know basically a wire-to-wire win, and although it did get dicey there at points in the second half, it was a game that Indiana basically controlled for most of the afternoon. Yeah, that first half was just really dominant, and I think what was encouraging was just how the, the level of intensity that Indiana came out with. That you know, this, this was the type of game that would be inexcusable to come out flat to, to not come out with energy, just given the atmosphere, given the hype of the game. And I think Indiana, just the energy they brought on both ends of the floor, the intensity they brought on both ends of the floor. And then defensively, I mean, they in that first half, they were, I thought they did a good job of limiting Edie. You're not going to probably stop him fully, but it, it felt like some of those turnovers, you know, maybe some of them were self-inflicted by Purdue, but also Indiana just seemed like it was keeping Purdue off balance with the looks that they were giving. 
Um, they were getting Zach Eady a little uncomfortable. And uh, just the cushion that they were able to build in that first half ended up being really important, just given the kind of waves of runs that Purdue went in the second half. But but another thing is that Indiana could have, you know, there was multiple times in the second half where, okay, you go into the break on runs. It would be easy for Indiana to kind of roll over and say, okay, well, we had our we had our run and and now Purdue is looking like the number one team in the nation. It would be easy to let them kind of take over the game. And Indiana didn't. There, there were a few times where Purdue got really close and scored to, um, you know, cutting their, cutting Indiana, cutting their deficit down. But Indiana continually, especially down late, down the stretch of the game, they made meaningful plays to win the game. And I think that's, so much of what you know, you look at Indiana basketball the last few seasons that Indiana hasn't those Indiana hasn't been able to make those plays, um, but they were they were against Purdue. You look at Race Thompson hitting two big free throws. You look at Jalen Hutchinson with a tough drive. You look at Trey Galloway making two clutch free throws. Um, you know, overall Indiana made those plays that have kind of been elusive to it, and in a game against a team of the caliber of Purdue. Um, those are the plays that you need to make and Indiana did. Yeah, I thought going into the game, one area where Purdue seemed a little bit vulnerable on the road in an atmosphere like this was the, the two freshman guards. Obviously, Fletcher Loyal, Lawyer and Braden Smith have been really good this year. You don't start the season 22-1 and one without really good guard play in a league like the Big Ten, and those two have been terrific. But you look at the final numbers, Braden Smith, four points. He's, you know, one of eight from the field. Uh, lawyer scores 12, but he needs 12 shots to get there. He's four of 12 from the field. Didn't really play particularly well in the first half. I thought Trey Galloway had a lot to do with that. Were you surprised at just how Indiana was maybe able to take advantage of those guys, particularly early in the game, and maybe take them out of the game and get them out of their comfort zone? And also just a, a bigger picture question that I'm kind of wondering uh, about Purdue as we kind of head towards the, the stretch run of the season and ultimately the NCAA tournament. Um, do you think Purdue is, you know, a threat to really make a deep run having two freshman guards like that, that are relatively unproven in the tournament and, and how big of a problem do you foresee that being for, for them? Maybe uh, when, when it gets to the, the single elimination format of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think when you look at March, um, one of the big things you want to have is experienced guards, um, uh, you know, guys that are bringing the ball up the floor that can kind of run the offense that can control the offense um and you know Purdue with with those two freshmen doesn't have that experience I think to me the kind of biggest question mark is look Zach Eady had 33 and 18 on Saturday Purdue still loses I you know I don't you know I know Edie is an absolute monster inside but like we've seen basically how Purdue is able to have this pick your poison where you either put all your chips in and trying to guard Edie and try to let other guys beat you on the perimeter, or um, you take your chances with Edie. And I, for me, the biggest question is, are the guys around Edie going to be good enough to win at, you know, to, to continue to win and win in March? Cause if you have a game like this in March where Braden Smith goes one for eight, Fletcher Lawyer goes four for 12. Like that, that's just not a good recipe to win. And having, relying on two kids that are really good, but just haven't played at that level of college basketball in March, you know, to me raises 
some concerns, but you know, Purdue has been really good this season. Those two have been uh, played mature beyond their years. Um, but to me, what what stood out um, on on Indiana's side of things is just how much of a. And I know Mike Woodson says a, a phrase sort of like this often that you know it was a full team effort. But I really think that this was everyone that got playing time on Saturday scored. Um, it felt like everyone that played contributed, and you're also I think it's kind of overlooked the fact that because we've just gotten maybe almost like desensitized to Indiana Indiana dealing with injuries that. Jordan Geronimo and Xavier Johnson didn't play. So Indiana's starting point guard and a key guy that has made spot starts and come off the bench this season didn't even play, and Indiana still wins. But you look at a guy like Caleb Banks, who a few weeks ago isn't even in Indiana's regular rotation. If you would have told me he's going to make a maybe not massive, but a meaningful impact in this game, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But he has four points, three rebounds. Malik Renew, his growth. Um, you know, he, he has really been up and down from, from where you probably expected him to be at the beginning of the season, but he has eight points, four rebounds. Um, his growth has been an encouraging sign. Um, Tamar Bates, you know, he wasn't great, but he has three points off the bench. Miller Cop has six. Race Thompson has six. Galloway, I thought was really good. It has 11. And so basically you have Trace Jackson Davis, who's a star, 25.7 rebounds. But then you have a collection of guys around him that are doing their jobs, whether that be uh, scoring one bucket, whether that be getting multiple, you know, Jalen hood Shafina, what he was able to do to me, it just, it feels like Indiana is getting closer to that complete team of just guys doing what they need to do to win and, and maybe not feeling like, hey, I need to drop 20 or whatever, but just filling the role needed to get the job done. And I, I think that Indiana did that against Purdue. Yeah, Banks has been really uh, impressive. You mentioned three rebounds. The key there is all three of those rebounds were offensive. I mean, he there was a couple of plays where he basically just out-hustled Purdue to get the ball and give Indiana second life on a possession. And those are the little plays in a, you know, a game that's as close as it was down the stretch and ultimately you have to make. And so, you know, you mentioned all the scoring contributions. I think eight guys played in the first half. All eight played. It was a true team effort. It wasn't just that Trace Jackson Davis had 18 points, is that the contributions were were coming uh, from everywhere. You know, going into the game, the two areas that Indiana really had to be concerned about were the rebounding, uh, was rebounding, obviously, in the free throw line. I felt like they had to at least win one of those to give themselves a chance to win. Obviously, Purdue does a much better job overall on the glass. I think they out-rebounded Indiana by 16. They had a ton of offensive rebounds at times that, it really hurt Indiana, but the free throw line is where Indiana surprisingly uh, had an advantage. They outscored Purdue um, by five at the line. That's ultimately the final uh, margin of the game. And I just felt like Indiana earned that because they were at times the more aggressive team. And they, um, you looked at the the fact that Purdue was out, I think had an average of 10.5 more attempts from the free throw line uh, than its opponents entering the game. That's a lot, a big deficit to overcome. I thought that was uh, pretty monumental in Indiana being able uh, to pull off uh, the win on Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, you look at Trace Jackson Davis, he's seven for nine from the free throw line. And I think he is one guy where you really would want to sh- be shooting free throws at a high level just because of how much he's around the rim, how much attention he's get from de- getting from defenses. If he can initiate that con- contact, get to the line um, on a consistent basis and then make make the free throws on a consistent basis, I think 
um, you know, is massive. And then you look at Race Thompson, he goes four for four. Trey Galloway goes two for two. And Race Thompson and Trey Galloway, they each had two free throws down the stretch. When you're talking about stretch plays, they each had two, uh, or they each had a pair of really important free throws. Um, and then, you know, also you could look at the three point line and, um, Indiana shot four for 10, 40%. They've been, I wrote about this, um, not, uh, not long ago, but basically just how much Indiana has improved from the three point line, uh, which has been a, you know, a, a really pressing issue the last few seasons, but they're shooting it well this season. And, and I made the case, I mean, I think they went four for 10 on Saturday. I think they can shoot way more than that. You know, if they're shooting 40%, um, they can shoot much more than, than they are. And, you know, obviously you don't want to force them. You want it to be in the flow of the game. But I, I think if you're looking at ways that Indiana can continue to grow, like there's still room for Indiana to keep shooting threes. And if Trace Jackson Davis is going to continue to get hounded, um, keep shooting them. I think Tamar Bates, when he catches it in rhythm, he can be really good. I think shot selection for him is kind of a big thing. I think you might want Miller Cop to to have a little bit more free reign on just letting it fly. Um, but one thing too about Trace Jackson Davis that I think impressed me yesterday was the way that he handled the doubles. And if I remember correctly, there were some times where he got doubled and instead of giving it up or picking up his dribble, he dribbled and waited for the double to leave. So he, so instead of panicking, whatever, making a bad pass, he waits for the double to leave because it just came for a little bit. He has single coverage them then, and he takes advantage of it. So I think we've continued to see basically the growth that he has made in dealing with getting a lot of attention and, and the fact that he he is getting doubled a lot and still putting up the numbers you know he has been while also still making the guys around him better. Like his the way that he is playing is just really impressive. Yeah, that's one area that Matt Painter talked about in the post game with Trace really growing over the course of his career earlier in his career, he probably would have panicked and tried to get rid of the ball a lot qu- more quickly than he did. And you're right. He would, he kind of waited those, those double teams out. But the other thing that about, about that situation is just, I think Indiana shooters are commanding a little bit of respect now on the perimeter too, because if Indiana couldn't make threes that, you know, the level that they are. I know they're not taking a high volume, but they are shooting a really good percentage. And you just basically keep the double team there until you force them to give up the ball or pick the ball up. And, you know, Purdue was obviously sending help, but they abandoned uh, at, at time too because they had to respect uh, the perimeter shooting. So I thought overall Trace played just a really smart game. Uh, he did have three turnovers, one assist only, but. Uh, which is a little bit lower than what we've seen uh, out of him uh, recently in terms of the assists. But overall, I thought a really solid performance. The other thing that was just really a difference in the game was turnovers. Purdue had 16, Indiana had eight. Uh, it's something that Indiana struggled with uh, really a lot in Big Ten play is turnovers and and something that Purdue really doesn't uh, turn the ball over that much. And to outscore them, I think it was 20 to eight in points off of turnovers uh, was a huge, huge thing. And, and that kind of goes back to what I. I mentioned in the first half with, um, you know, Purdue's guards not really getting comfortable. Uh, Zach Eady also had five turnovers, which is a lot for for him. Um, just, I guess, how surprised were you that Indiana was was able to have that big of 
uh, an advantage in, in that department? And, and what did you see out of them maybe defensively that, that gave Purdue some problems? I think Trey Galloway was a big part of that. Um, I think, you know, Jalen Hutchfino has two fouls in the first half. So Trey Galloway then also on the offensive end has to take a, a bigger role of, of the ball handling duties. But when you just look at what Trey Galloway is able to do defensively, the toughness that he brings, um, the energy, the way that he, the way that he like runs through screens, gets around screens, screens. And I know that, you know, his nickname is crazy man. And he does look like a crazy man out there, especially playing on defense, but um, offensively too, look, he, his, his first season at IU, he shoots 18.2% from three last season. He goes 21.4% from three. This season, he's shooting right at 50%. He's 20 for 40. In each of those first two seasons, he hit three. His, I think his three-point growth has been one of the more surprising but encouraging developments this season. And, and it's not just that, but he, he seems like he's letting it fly without much hesitation. He's shooting with confidence. Um, I think when you look at just the surprises of like, who are some wild cards that when you talk about Indiana shooting better from beyond the arc, like he's a guy that I don't know how many people expected to emerge as like, okay, he's a, like a really good shooter. Cause Miller cop is shooting. Well, Tamar Bates is shooting. Well, Jalen Huchifino is shooting. Well, and I think Trey Galloway is one where you just add him another guy that was kind of unexpected. Um, you know, it just opens up the floor so much more for Indiana. And not only that, but it's going to open up the offensive game for him because he's kind of known more, before this season as a slasher, as a creator, um, you know, a guy that can get to the rim. But now you add that into it, you know, three-point shooting into his game. Um, now now it's going to open up more things for Trace. It's going to open up more things for him. I just think, you know, maybe a little bit unsung of a key to Indiana's season has been Trey Galloway and in the growth that he has made. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, you look at his numbers on um, Big Ten play. He's shooting 50% for three um, from three he's 50% overall for the season but in Big Ten play 16 of 32 he's in the top 15 in, in the league in two-point field goal percentage um, just really a impressive season uh, particularly from the perimeter as you mentioned you know he was 18.2 percent as a freshman from three last year he was 21.4 percent so to grow to 50 percent and I think the the thing that's really impressed me about him is he takes a lot of uh, smart shots. He doesn't really force much. Those shot. He had a couple runners in the lane yesterday in the first half that were really uh, just taking advantage of Purdue's drop coverage uh, defensively. 
Um, and, and then the three point shot, you know, he's he's getting uh, in position where he needs to be, and when he catches the ball, he's now got the confidence to to shoot. I don't know what he did uh, in the off season uh, in terms of his mechanics or if he changed anything, um, but it's clear that he's put in the work, and and it kind of shows that if you do, um, you know focus on something in the in the off season and you're you know you're diligent about improving it uh, you can get better and he's really been uh, a guy that over the course of his career in Bloomington has, has gotten better and he really can't say enough about the defensive work that he did particularly early in the game yesterday against lawyer I thought he made him really uncomfortable uh, and took him out of the game the individual matchup between Edie and Jackson Davis you know a lot of times we go into these games and we talk about you know two all-americans going head to head and we wonder, you know, will the, will the matchup live up to the hype? You know, will got one, one guy get in foul trouble. And although Edie did have a little bit of foul issues, he still played, I think 32 minutes. So he was on the floor quite a bit. Trace plays almost 39 minutes. And I thought for the most part, both of those guys played uh, terrific. You know, I, I did mention the five turnovers uh, for Edie, but uh, I think you got to give a lot of credit for Indiana, uh, for Indiana defensively being able to do that. And the one thing I, I noticed that those two competing against each other from my vantage point, you know, they were talking to each other a little bit, but it wasn't a, a trash talk type of thing. And they were, they were smiling and, and really just kind of uh, enjoying competing against each other. I thought just in terms of, you know, a matchup of, of, of two guys going head to head, it really delivered on everything that we, we thought it, it could be. And it was a, really fun to watch those two guys go head to head. Yeah, and I mean, it was just a good basketball game in general. You know, it was entertaining. Um, you know, besides maybe produced turnovers, it was a very well played game. It, it felt like two high level teams um, playing, and and I give credit to Trace as well because I think one of the things you need to add in when trying to guard Edie is basically being able to take charges, and because because Edie is so big, and if if he lowers his shoulder to be able to do that, and you know, I think Trace did that, and um, you know, Edie's gonna. It, it feels like it's almost inevitable he's gonna get his at you know to a certain degree. Um, but I think the way that Indiana was able to slow him down in the first half, uh, you know, was was big just in terms of being able to build that lead, which ended up being the difference in the game. Um, but also, I, it felt like a couple of times Trace was trying to put Edie on a poster. It felt like he was. He was he was uh, fishing for like a huge dunk, and I that would have been insane to see happen. But maybe in Mackey, I don't know. But yeah, anyways, that that was that was impressive that he was at least giving it a shot. Yeah, less than three weeks uh, from now, these teams will be going head to head again. So this last stretch of games, you know, Indiana sets up for the last four weeks of the regular season. You know, they play two times each week. A lot of high-level games coming up, but the one that's kind of coming up here immediately, Tuesday night, another big one in Assembly Hall, Rutgers comes to town, and I believe this is the only Big Ten opponent that Trace Jackson Davis has never beaten uh, in his time in Bloomington. I believe the Scarlet Knights have won six in a row against Indiana. Uh, they've, they've not been the more talented team uh, always, but they've been the more aggressive team particularly defensively and uh you know we've heard um you know former Rutgers player Geo Baker kind of make comments on different podcasts just about you know other teams not being scared of Indiana and you know 
even if as an IU fan, if you don't like those comments, you don't agree with it. I mean, a lot of what he said is true uh, in terms of Rutgers being able just to kind of take it to Indiana and be the more physical team and kind of impose their will. What do you see, I, I guess, at this matchup Tuesday um, and, and in terms of how much Indiana has grown from the first matchup? They go to Piscataway, score only 48 points. Obviously, Jalen hood Shafino didn't play in that game. They did have Xavier Johnson at that time. Uh, but, the, you know, obviously the teams are kind of in two different spots. But Rutgers, I believe, is in second place in the Big Ten. It's a big game for them and, and also a big game for Indiana just to kind of prove uh, that they can break through against an opponent that's really had their number now for a number of seasons. I think this would be a good indication of how Indiana has grown from a toughness standpoint, kind of that intangible, because that was one of the big storylines coming out of that game is that Rutgers, you know, has and continues to have kind of that junkyard dog mentality. They're just going to out-tough you. They might not be the most talented team, but um, they're going to have more grit. And, you know, so Indiana, obviously in Piscataway, was not the tougher team. And to me, it feels like since then, it hasn't been linear, but Indiana has become a tougher group. They have been a group that's shown more intensity. I mean, you look at the way that Indiana has been able to turn their season around. They lose three games in the Big Ten in a row. And then, um, you know, they now are, have won six of their last seven um, and are one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten. So I look at it as this is the type of game that, again, I've said it before, but if, if this Indiana team wants to be different than they've been in past season, they have to do different things. And beating Rutgers, something they haven't been able to do, not having let down after a big win um, is something that has been, you know, sort of elusive. So, I, you know, I think this is this Rutgers game, and I, I know at this point in the season you say, okay, kind of every game is important, but it feels like this will be a, another indication, maybe not the final indication, but another indication of where is Indiana's ceiling? Is is this team that much different than they were in last season than they were in, you know, two, three, four seasons ago? Um, this is one where you you have to come out with in, intense. You have to come out with the same intensity you did against Purdue. You have to come out with that same that same dog, that same intensity. So um, to me, that it, it's a it'll be a good indication of as much as Indiana wants to, you know, can show itself tangibly, but also just the ability to fight through hurdles, adversity, be able to out tough someone. Yeah, I agree with all that. And Rutgers, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit. They lost a, a ton from last year's team, and they're still right there. Um, you know, a game ahead in the loss column. Uh, of all, everybody else for second place in the Big Ten. 14th in Ken Palm, the second best defensive team uh, in the country. That's uh, just really impressive. What do you think it is about Rutgers specifically that's given Indiana problems? Is it just their toughness in their defense? Is it is it something that they, they do uh, in terms of how they're guarding Trace, making it difficult on him? And, and what... Is there a guy or two that you see going into to Tuesday that's going to have to play particularly well for Indiana to win? I feel like Jalen Hood Shafino's really has to has to play well in that game because um, you know Paul Mulcahy's an experienced guard. You know he's going to bring a, a ton of energy, and Rutgers always gets up for some reason for playing in uh, to play Indiana. It seems like uh, they heard all the 
the noise when they first joined the league that they didn't belong and uh, people making fun of their program. And, and they've, it's almost like they, they know that Indiana is one of the traditional Big Ten programs and they've wanted to prove themselves year in and year out against Indiana and they have. And so, um, to me, I feel like Trace is going to have to play better than he has in the past against Rutgers, obviously, and that's going to be tough to do against against Big Cliff. But I also feel like Jay, Jalen Huchifino is going to have to play well. You always got to have, I feel like, good guard play to be successful against Rutgers. I feel like the the difference between Rutgers and Indiana in the recent you know past is has been that edge. It just seems like Rutgers has played with an edge, a toughness that Indiana has lacked. Maybe not you know, every single game, but in, when they go head to head, it feels like that Rutgers has just been a tougher team. And like, I go back to thinking uh, in Archie's last season where Indiana had just come off beating Iowa on the road that felt like, okay, maybe this was a turning point in the season. And then they come back to assembly hall. And this was with, uh, you know, with a very limited like family and friends type crowd situation. But Geo Baker punks them, you know, Rutgers. And then it felt like that was kind of emblematic of, of just the inability to sustain any momentum. Um, but I, I think, you know, Caleb McConnell is a really good defender, you know, arguably probably maybe one of the best in the Big Ten. If they put him on Jalen Hood Shafino, that's a tough, that's a tough task for him. I think you have to look at maybe another, like you have to look at a Trey Galloway and say, Okay, we need you to step up and we need you to have 15 points and blah. We need Miller Cobb had a great game at Rutgers um, earlier this season. You need to look at him to maybe make shots. Tamar Bates has been a guy where at various points this season, it's felt like, oh, this is the Tamar Bates breakout. And then he kind of disappears. And I, I feel like, the, you know, those are the guys that you might need to step up if Jalen Hood Shafino has a bad game. And that's what happened at Maryland. Jalen Huchifino has a bad game. The other guards didn't do a great job of stepping up. So I feel like if you get in that situation again where, okay, there's still no Xavier Johnson, uh, Jalen Huchifino is struggling, he's being guarded tightly, whatever, that you need your Trey Galloways, Tamar Bates, Caleb Banks, Miller Cops. Those guys need to, at least one or two of them, a handful of them, someone needs to step up and kind of take on some of that scoring load. Yeah, I thought it was interesting yesterday post game when Huchifino, it almost seemed like he was a little annoyed when somebody mentioned the one of 14 at Maryland. He he almost said like I, he, he felt like he didn't play bad. He just didn't make shots. And I think, you know, if you're one of 14, uh, to me, that's, you know, however you want to characterize it, not a good game. That's not a performance that's going to lead to many Indiana wins. But you know, I, I thought to his credit that he bounced back was really good yesterday. I think eight of 15 overall from the field was really good in the mid range. Last thing before we, uh, before we wrap up just a big 10 race in general, looking at these standings, man, th this is after Purdue and Rutgers. I mean, you've got a ton of teams at five losses. You've got several teams too, with six losses. I mean, one of these teams, um, between you know Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan, one of these teams is going to be playing Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament. These are quality teams. Um, just overall, I mean, everybody besides Nebraska and, and Minnesota uh, in the top one hundred, Ken Palm, Nebraska just outside the door, and then obviously Minnesota. You know, you watch a lot of ACC and and some other leagues. I mean, just the quality of the Big Ten this season. There may not be that 
that that obviously Purdue's been that great number one team uh, for for most of the season, but the middle is just such a such a gauntlet. How do you kind of see Indiana fitting into this conference race when it's all said and done? Four weeks to go. Is this you know a team that you feel like is going to have a good chance at, at securing a double buy? Are they going to be playing Thursday in the Big Ten tournament? And, and kind of where do you think they need to be record wise to to maybe get in that top four? I think that the way the league has been trending this season and the way that Indiana has been trending as of late, like the the door is open for Indiana to get near the top. I don't know, you know, it seems like a slim chance that they will catch Purdue because Purdue is kind of um, up up ahead, but the door is open for someone to be good. You know, there the door is open for if you want to start winning games, you're going to get near that. This is not, you know, the... Yeah, so after Rutgers seven and five is you know you got a bunch of seven and five teams. So if you want to start winning games, like there's nothing probably that's going to stop you from getting near the top. So I think if Indiana can, and, and, and this is another thing, is that basically can Indiana continue to sustain? They've won six of their last seven, and that's really good. But can they close the season off on a strong foot? Can they continue to sustain that? I said going in. To the this four game stretch, which was Purdue at home, Rutgers at home, Michigan away, and Northwestern away, I said I thought it would be a success if they go three or four. So now they've beaten Purdue, and that's that's that that was one of the big ones, right? So now you have Rutgers at home. I think you need to go two out of three of the next three to feel good about yourself. I think you know I think Rutgers is one you need to have because it's at home, and and that would like we said kind of be another mark of okay, this team's showing development. Um, but then I think you need to take one or two on the road at, at minimum. I think Northwestern and Michigan are, they're not going to be easy games to win, but they're both very winnable. Um, so I, you know, I just think that Indiana needs to continue to string them together. If they can, they'll continue to climb up the big 10. Cause right now it's just kind of a log jam. You can check out his work at, at IndyStar.com, Tyler Tashman. Thanks for joining us. What what do you uh I know you're covering the women's team a little bit too and what kind of is uh what's going to be your focus here the next couple of weeks just doing a little bit of everything? Yeah, uh I'm planning to go to the uh women's game on Thursday playing Iowa Iowa see Caitlin Clark. That should be exciting. The women's team playing really well. Um yeah, just that men's basketball, some some hooping of my own cuz you know I got to get in the lab, but um yeah, yeah I, gotta, I gotta get a how's the uh how's the iu sports media intramural team i know william mcdermott's also on roster i know you're you're on there how what's the uh what's the early season report i know you guys have what played one game so far yeah we're one game in we actually made history program history in our first game uh we actually tied 50 to 50 um if you didn't think ties were possible in basketball then you should come to uh, intramural sports at IU, but we were, we, we finished the game. It was, it was tied. They don't do overtime. So, uh, we just left with a draw. And so we're still undefeated. We're still undefeated, but there's work to do. The team we played on, on Monday lost by 44 last game. So this is a must win. Absolute must win. Well, uh, We'll be sure to check in for for periodic updates. I know you'll there'll be some. I think there's a Twitter account if if you if you search hard enough on Twitter, you can probably find some 
some updates. I'm still waiting for a live video feed. Um, well, from, we need you down. Games. We need you. We need you down here to, for a coverage. People, the, I mean, give the people what they want. Wasn't the last game like a 10 p.m. tip? I mean, what? It's, it's bad oh, enough. It's, when, yeah, it's, it's prime time. Yeah, we yeah, we're playing it's, under the lights. It's bad enough when we have IU games at at nine. We don't need intramural tipping at 10 p.m. But it's a, it's a running clock though. You'll be in bed by eleven. Don't worry. I, I still I, I'm still confused on on the tie. That's to me. That's just yeah, uh, that's cr- uh, that's criminal in basketball. But yeah. Anyway, Tyler, thanks for thanks for your time this week. Thanks everybody for listening uh, to this week's episode of podcast on the brink. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating on Spotify, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Podcast on the Brink. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.